Welcome, welcome everyone to the Trail Life Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Stoner. Thank you for listening in on another episode. Really appreciate it. I had an opportunity to sit down with one of the most internationally renowned trail runners over the last decade. We talk about her race experience internationally. We talk about what got her into trail running. We talk about her coming out and kicking some ass at the Westminster Trail Race in Colorado last month for the Endurance Race Series. But more importantly, we talk about balancing life and running. You know, it's a great conversation. I look forward to getting more into it. So here we go. Welcome to The Trail Life, Stevie Kramer. The Trail Life Podcast is presented by Solomon. Their passion for outdoor sports, new technologies, and craftsmanship has driven them to create progressive gear to enable you to freely enjoy and challenge yourself in the great outdoors. Today, Solomon is an incredible lineup of road and trail running footwear and hydration gear, perfect for any runner on any terrain, no matter the challenge. Check them out today at your local running stores like Runner's Roost or on Solomon.com. This episode of the Trail Life Podcast is brought to you by Crisp Refreshing Polar Seltzer. Premium seltzer with just water, all natural fruit essences, and zillions of tiny bubbles. Polar Seltzer is naturally calorie-free with no sweeteners or sodium. Family made since 1882. That's 140 years of making bubbles. Why be flat when you can sparkle? Looking for a polar near you? Go to polarseltzer.com or visit your local grocery store. Well, help me turn the turn Help me get it right. I don't wanna hurt nobody. Well, I don't wanna fight. Well, offer me the peace of mind and let me. Are you recovered from the gale force winds we had a couple weeks ago in Westminster? You know, it's funny because I'm the middle school. Uh, track coach and we had a meet yesterday and the winds were very similar and these kids were all like oh, I can't run in this I'm like you're running 800 meters I had to run 13.1 miles you know nothing about I, I mean I was obviously kidding but um, it was funny it brought back some you know post well, post-traumatic running it's it's weird I, I was telling a bunch of people on on site uh, about that race like a Westminster in April is always a little tricky. Like you, you're always going to get some weird weather right in Colorado in April. I don't think I've ever had it where it's been that heavy of a wind where we, you know, our setup was all over the place. Tents were flying. I don't know if you were still around when the, tents Oh yeah. I saw, I saw people's bodies on top of like the, <laughs> the tent stakes. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I was telling people, you know, I would rather have seven inches of snow on the ground running through snow or even torrential downpour versus dealing with some of that wind. And okay, just... so seven inches is pushing it there, Jeff. Well, I don't know that I want to uh, trudge through seven inches of fresh snow for a half marathon. Maybe an inch would be okay. I so I, I say that, but 2016, it literally snowed seven inches the night before our Westminster race. So what'd you do? We went right through it. So it, it, <laughs> it snowed about seven inches. The trail was already marked and it was in a, it was in a different, it was on a different side of Westminster um, over by the rec center and everything else. And so the city had actually come out and they plowed the, the sidewalk. So the sections of the sidewalk that we ran on to get to the trail was all scraped off, but the, the trail itself was buried in seven inches of snow. So I will say that the first, I don't know, it must've been the first 25 to 30 
runners in the half marathon pretty much made the path for everybody else. And I will never forget that. But at the same time, like, you know, that it's snowed seven inches, you just got to roll with it yeah. and, and go like, th- this is what you've been given. Here you go. It was actually pretty decent weather that that morning. Um, our only problem was, is we had to run to home Depot really quick in the morning and get salts for the, for the blacktop, because it was a little bit of black ice right in front of the start line. So we had to, that was the worst thing is had to adjust it that way. So when I say seven inches versus wind, we've been through it at Westminster. So that's that's pretty awesome as both a race director and as those athletes that, you know, keep coming, keep showing up. That's pretty awesome. Well done. Yeah, exactly. I, when, when the wind started picking up at 4am in the morning, I, I was like, I said to myself, like, okay, I wonder how many people are going to no show today because it's, it's tough. And I I was pleasantly surprised that only 15% no showed. And that's, that's a typical attrition rate for us. And, and, (laughs) but to hear everybody, the same, the same conversation, that last mile going uphill to the finish line (laughs) as the wind's coming right into your face, it's, it was tough. So I appreciate you running, uh, running with us that, (laughs) that weekend and, and suffering like everybody else was. So. You know, but I have to say, it really actually wasn't the. Uh, so I actually stayed somewhere, and it was almost three miles away. So I ran to the race start, oh. um, and those three miles were almost harder than the race because I feel like it was just that last maybe two miles, at least, you know, the timing that I was running, mm-hmm. that was when it was bad. The wind, those last yeah. two miles of the race, it was like, I was pretty much like parallel to the ground, head down, yeah. you know? Um, but the first part and how you had us running really wasn't that bad. Um, no, that, that North side of the lake actually wasn't that bad. And so you, I don't think anybody really felt it until you got to like the South East and Southwest side of it when the winds were whipping around the, the lake there, but hey, for regardless, the last mile and a half to two miles, that's what everybody talked about. It's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I cannot believe how difficult it was um, doing that. So thank you for, for running that race. I, uh, <laughs> well, you was, don't have to thank me. Thank you for, you know, for continuing to put it on. And yeah. honestly, it was so cool. I didn't realize how awesome the, those running that area was for running. That was, I mean, I felt like I was in, I mean, I'm going to sound like a moron right now for saying this, but I felt like I was in California running along the beach. It was awesome. It was so cool. It was beautiful, like unexpected. It's that funny f- driving in from, from color, uh, from Crested Butte. You, you don't really see the lake like that. And yeah. I was, it was amazing. I was like, well, there's a lot of, there's some urban sprawl over here. Where's this lake everyone speaks of? And it was yeah. beautiful. It was awesome. You know, the unfortunate thing is, is that lake, I'm just like a lot of other lakes just keeps going further back. Right. Like when we first started doing the race there, that the water was right up to the cliffside. Wow. And so it was, it was kind of always one of those things. Like I told people like, Hey, if you need to, you know, just step down that cliff or jump down that, you know, five foot cliff to you put your feet in the water. Great. Here you go. Now it's a complete beach out there yeah, because the water's really. gone back so far. So it's kind of weird. So now when people run along that, along the cliff side, I get kind of worried that that is going to keep deteriorating out and just keep crumbling out. So that's always the thing that I have to worry about now is, how close the trails are to the end of the 
into the cliff, but yeah, it's, it's a great spot for, for any local runner to go out and, and do. So it's, it's always fun to have an event out there. I, I want to get into kind of your uh, background and how you got into trail running. And I, I learned that you were, you were born in Germany. Yeah. Yeah. So born Don't and I raised. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> born and raised or just born and moved to Colorado? No. So, so both my parents are German. Both of their families are still there. It's my mom, my dad, my sister, my brother, and I, and families that are in the U.S. now. Basically, my dad worked for a German bank and was transferred to New York City when I was a year old. So I was really young. Um, but yeah, I was raised. I went to German school. Oh, that was awful. But I, I'm, <laughs> I'm grateful for it now because I can get by in Germany and a few other German speaking countries in this world. Um, but yes, I grew up in Connecticut. I was a terrible athlete. Um, I was honestly a horrible soccer player and I didn't really get into running. I went to Colorado college in the Springs and I, there were, you know, it was really close to Pike's peak. I found trails to be super fun. And I was like, Oh wow, this is like, really pretty. And Hey, if you run faster downhill, you can, you can, I mean, if you run downhill, you can go faster and and it's not so long if you, you, so I just started to get kind of like enjoying that. And, you know, being in Colorado with the 52 14ers, is that what it is? 52. Yeah. Yeah. I started just exploring Colorado and, and like the dirt and trails. And I had a a good friend in college, one of my close friends, roommate, everything. Um, Her and I would, you know, before we went out for pizza, or something we'd go out on and go for a run but I never you know I, I didn't really race it was it was the summer before my senior year of college that I was like I'm gonna be at school by myself because I had an internship in Boulder and I was all by myself and I was like oh my gosh what am I gonna do when I'm by myself and so someone encouraged me to sign up for a marathon and I actually signed up for the Boston or excuse me the Boulder back roads okay. um, which wasn't trail but it was all dirt and I I loved it. And all my training was on this one trail behind my school. I kind of, I forget the name of it. And like my longer training, I would run to the base of Pike's peak, run the trail and run back. I mean, not always to the peak, but you know, I would, and I just loved it. And then when I moved to Crested Butte after I graduated, um, I, I, I mean, we don't have pavement. We have, you know, one, a couple paved roads in this town. Yeah. And so I just started finding my love for, for the trails. And I, I did a couple local races here and my first one, I was last, but I was with my closest friend and we were laughing. I mean, I was in my, my boyfriend's oversized shirt and my lacrosse shorts, um, for my sister's college. And, <laughs> um, but yeah, I just started running and, and I just started running on trails and I, I just loved it. And I feel like what I always tell people, I feel like when you love something, Mm-hmm. You, you, it doesn't mean you're going to be good at it, but it, it motivates you to do it more because you want to do it more. And I, I think honestly, because I didn't really run in high school and I, I didn't run in college, you know, competitively, I didn't have that burnout factor that a lot of athletes do when yeah. you're, you know, training and competing all the time. I, I didn't have that. Like that came in my, my competition, my competing started, you know, mid twenties. And yeah, I just did local races. And one of my friends was on the adventure racing team here in Crested Butte and they were sponsored by Solomon. And I was just, I was doing okay in some local races. And she's like, Hey, you should read that, reach out to Solomon and get some shoes from them. And I was like, no, no, I'm not good enough. And she actually reached out to them for me. And I, I got my free pair, my first pair of free shoes. And I thought I was like, 
holy cow, someone's giving me shoes to run. It was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) It was awesome. And then, you know, that, that turned into a, um, a U.S. Solomon sponsorship. And that happened in April of 2012. And that summer I actually moved to Europe to go teach because I'm I'm teaching at this point in my life. And I went to Europe to teach and there's a lot of racing over there. There's a lot of trail runners over there. And I was asked to represent the U S in a couple of races, but no one knew me, which was awesome. And these people would show up to like dinners in their like full head to toe sponsored gear. And I would show up in my normal outfit. Like I wouldn't even wear sneakers, you know? (laughs) Um, And I just started like finding this love of running trails and mountains all over the world. And, you know, I I had a little success and I was this new face on the, you know, racing scene in Europe. And yeah, yeah, it just kind of started. I was there for a year and I I came back and they they were still asking me to race. And I was teaching and my principal even offered to, to give me the year off to continue racing. And, you know, this is what, you know, we were talking about before we went on is this is where I was like, no, I, I really like this balance of, of having a job and running. I mean, but some of the trips I took were crazy. It was like, I did a couple of trips to China where I'd leave on Thursday night, get there Friday night, race Saturday, and I'd be home Sunday night and I'd be teaching Monday. It was oh crazy. Oh my God. Don't think there were any, there were plenty of tears that came along with that kind of travel. Oh, yeah. oh my God. Um, but it, it worked for me. It was like, I, it worked because I, I mean, maybe it was a little too much. I probably lost a couple years, if not tens or tens of years off my life. But, <laughs> you know, I, I had my life here. I, I had everything going on here, but I was still able to explore these awesome mountains and places. So yeah, that's kind of in a nutshell, sorry if I didn't really answer your question. I'm not sure if I did or not. Sorry. Well, you did in a very expanded way, but uh, <laughs> which is great. Um, and first of all, shout out to our sponsors, uh, Solomon. Thank yeah. you very much. It's always great to be able to hear and talk about them anyway. But uh, <laughs> what I think is interesting, A, for anybody who, for any runner who doesn't know, like running in international versus US is 100% different. It's like full blown, like superstar status type of type of thing, right? Where they they put a little bit more effort into how their events are produced and everything else, and so it's it's kind of cool that you had a chance to do that. Like, well, let me interrupt you because yeah, the U.S. still does a really good job. Oh no, I'm not saying they're no, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. But it was crazy. It didn't matter. I mean, that's not true. There were definitely races that were more high profile for sure, but uh-huh. even these small races. You were just like, whoa, I, yeah. I thought I was doing some podunk little race. And really it turned out to be right. you know, cameras and interviews. And you're like, whoa, um, but you're, you're right. And I think there's just, and I, I do think the trail running scene in the U S is growing and mm-hmm. has been for the last 10 years or whatever it has been, but the, the European trail running scene is massive and can, yeah. I think, and continues to grow. Um, I mean, there are races there where you have spectators that will get up 3, 4 a.m. to line the entire stretch of the mountains to cheer you on. It's pretty incredible. Well, and I, I think that was maybe that was kind of what my point was I was Sorry. trying to get to, right? Is and is yeah, it's as from a spectator sport, it's it's well above where the US is as far yes. as as far as how they look at those races. And yes. like you said, like the smaller podunk races are just as important as the big internationally renowned events. So that's as being a Solomon runner, 
were you just doing like full marathons, half marathons, or were you now getting into like the ultra racing scene? Honestly, I have done one ultra in my life and it was for Solomon or it was actually for sky running, which was part of Solomon at the time. Um, and it was a 50, I think it was 54 K never again. That was seven and a half hours of running. (laughs) I like being done after maybe five hours, you know, being done, having a beer, being able to walk the next day. I, you know, I, you know, and I always actually go for a run the next day. I'm not saying I'm winning any, you know, medals for how fast I'm going, any speed records, but you know, I like being able to function and move the next day. And I know that if I did anything like those longer races, 50 miles, no way. I, I just wouldn't have the energy to move the next day. And I'm just not there yet, but it is funny because I did the um, Moab marathon back in October, November, early November. And okay. Holy smokes. I think it took me two and a half hours to warm up. I was like, Oh gosh, I'm getting old. Um, and you know, that's why part of the reason I, I warmed up three miles before this half marathon, I was like, Oh my gosh, I feel like I should wake up at, 3:30 and run for two hours before I get started on this race. Because I mean, they do say, you know, when you feel like you're getting slower, that's when you should, you know, lengthen your distance. But I don't know that I will ever be ready to run a 50 mile. So for, for record, no 200 races on, on your, on your oh. calendar, then <laughs> you don't want to Not run for five chance. or six days for gaining 12,000 feet of gain. Oh, that sounds horrible. But props to everyone who does it. I have so much respect for those people to just be on your feet for that long, let alone, you know, run or whatever. Oh, I I don't know how they do it, but I am very impressed by those people. Having a chance to race internationally, um, like you said, Germany, China, like what, what's one experience that you can think of that stands out more than anything else you have? Do you have one? Well, so I did one race and this is obviously something that's going to stand out. So I don't know if this is what you're talking about, but you know, there's, I have to say, I have run in so many international races where I'm like, oh my gosh, I was in Australia and I saw kangaroos like in the middle of my run. Oh my gosh. I was in South Africa and I was pretty much running along the coast of the most Southern point, you know, of the, I mean, you know, it's, it's incredible. Um, when I, but I did this one race in China and I actually did it two years in a row. Um, it was, it was a Red Bull China race sponsored race. And they were trying to get, you know, the highest altitude and it was starting at 15,000 feet and it was going to 21,000 feet. And it was only, I think it was seven K either total or round trip. I forget. And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. I live at 9,000 feet. I will never forget. I was literally in the airport and I think I called every single member of my family crying saying, I think I'm going to die of altitude sickness. I don't think I'm going to make it. It was, I mean, it was crazy. And that was one of those races where I literally showed up. I think I showed up two nights before because I slept one night in the hotel when I first got there. Uh The next day they took me to base camp at 15,000 feet. And then the next day we did the race and it was crazy because you you didn't really, you could run the initial part. And I think a lot helped that I didn't have much time to, you know, acclimatize. I was still kind of like, what is going on? And then you can, you can kind of run a little bit and then it's like kind of hiking and scrambling. And I mean, it was snow. So you had to put on crampons, but it was like four miles, three miles up, you know, super short, but it took like, I mean, and you could pretty much jog the way down like as long as your feet uh-huh. um and i'll never forget finishing and be like i feel great 
And then within like, as you're driving back to, you know, sea level, you're like, oh my gosh, I think I'm going to die. I feel like someone just hit me (laughs) in the forehead with a frying pan. I am in so much pain. It was, yeah, but I mean, that was, I mean, there was nothing. You drove on this dirt road for, I think it was like two hours, nothing, barren, nothing. And there were, there were, there were five athletes, everyone from a different country. Uh And it was just like the most incredible unique experience that it's really hard to even explain it to people what what that was but it was it was pretty cool it was pretty amazing yeah and i did and then the next year they had that was just five females and the next year they had five females and five males do it so also um, it was literally only five five people oh yeah oh yeah and if you used oxygen you were disqualified so I was like, I'm not using oxygen. I'd rather die. No, I'm just kidding. But Fucking I mean, ripple. Was, Jesus, man. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, yeah. I mean, that was, that was super, super incredible. So. Wow. Um, well, you know, I, to that degree, like I've asked this of a few other runners who have had the opportunity to race internationally and, and it, it all comes, but just like you said, like, oh, I saw kangaroo when I was racing in Australia. So like, I think some of that, the, and this all goes back to being a trail runner and being in the nature of it and the outdoors aspect of it is it's not so much the maybe the race itself that they remember but it's everything surrounding the event and the experience that you encounter with it so it's it's cool that i've i've actually never heard of that event before i've now seen red bull do those elevation challenges where you're pretty much just hiking up a up a mountain side and it's straight up and you're done but and don't be confused with red bull and red bull china I, I think they're like, like yeah, that's the, bull, true. the bulls don't look alike. Yeah, completely different. <laughs> but sure. I, I, you know, and I have to say, and I'm, I'm probably a race director's worst nightmare because I, I've been a race director for very podunk races and I know what goes into putting on a race, whether you've done it once or whether it's like the 10th time. And, you know, it is all like, I was on a mission to find you after the race because I, just wanted to thank you. And it's like also all about the people that put on the race, the volunteers that are there and how they're cheering for you. And they're there freezing in the wind. And, you know, I think, and, and also the competitors, like I haven't seen David Roche in years. I follow him on Instagram. I had not seen him in years, yeah. years. And he screamed at me as he's flying past me going back, <laughs> you know, the nicest comments. And it's like really all about also, yes, it's about, it's like not even about the race. It's about your environment and and the mm. people that are around you. And it's so cool that, you know, like I said, after years and years, I see David and he's like Stevie Kramer. And I mean, like I got goosebumps running and not because I was cold, you know, and, and then just like seeing you with the smile on your face as you're holding down multiple tents at the same time. It's just like, you know, that's what makes a race. And, and yeah. Yeah. And, and then, you know, going international, a lot of the same racers do the same, you know, circuit. And so it's so fun seeing these people that you don't see, especially because I do live in the U S and I only see them at these races and it's so fun to see them again. And everyone's so nice and yeah, they might beat me. And at the end, it's like, we're friends again and we cheers and whatever it is. So it's just, it's just a really fun scene. And I love the international races when you're sitting at a table and there's like 13 different languages going on at the same yeah. time. You're like, oh, I want to know that one and that one and that one. But yet everyone can speak English. And you're like, oh, why can't everyone <laughs> just speak French? Why English? <laughs> <laughs> Quick note, you mentioned David. David might be the nicest racer 
that I've ever encountered. Oh my gosh. And if, if he's listening in on this, David, I, I totally mean that. Like there was multiple times along the course that he's just like, love you, Jeff. Great job. This is also like, I'm like, you are the nicest racer that I have ever, ever met. And it's, oh. it's amazing. And I love when uh, him and Megan come to our races. Cause I, I he, they just bring a really fun, like very energetic energy. It's awesome. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's so funny you say that because I'm, I'm pathetic. I'm old, but I still get so nervous for races. I don't care how big or small it is. I mean, like the night before your race, I was like mute to the people I was with because I was so nervous. And I was like, <laughs> no one cares, Stevie. No one cares. And, you know, when you see people like David, you're like, that's what matters. You see these mm -hmm. awesome people that just talk to you and, and you're like, this is what matters. It's about the camaraderie. No one gives a flying hoot what place you get in or yeah. what your time is or anything like that. So yeah, I, I agree. He was, he was awesome. He was so, <laughs> I mean, he passed me like, you know, multiple times and every time just had a comment, yeah. a positive thing and comment to say to me. And it, it was awesome. It was great. Taking some time off and coming back to those type of, those type of racers. And like you said, it, it's all about the community and that's really what, trail running is all about like that's why I'd, i've said this time and time again that's why i do trail running versus road running and nothing against the road running scene at all um because i do a couple of those too but like trail running has just got such a tighter knit community and people that are like you said volunteers are cheering you on left and right and people are smiling and waving and high-fiving you and it's um it's really cool to always experience that even in the worst race conditions you know, people are still doing that so you know i want to i want to ask you about uh about balancing life with running because you've, i've read a couple articles in outside magazine and, and i've i've seen a couple things that that you preach on this all the time so i think it's a very important aspect of any any runner anybody who's active is trying to find a, a balance in their life and trying to still get your miles in still train for your race, but making sure that there is a good balance with that. Can you speak on that just a little bit and how you've been able to navigate that as you work with, you know, with your work, your family and, and how you're getting back into racing? Sure. Yeah. And you know, I think, I think the reason, you know, I'm, I, I talk about balance so much is because I think it's really easy to, you know, be a fan of a certain athlete and you think like, Oh, I just want to be like them or, Oh, I, you know, but I can't because I have a job and you know, I'm not sponsored or whatever it is, but you know, the truth is, and I, I know this sounds so cliche or so cheesy, but you really can do what you put your mind to. And, you know, when I was first getting into running, I, like I said, my principal, or I should say when I, you know, had a year under my belt for running and then I was still traveling international. Like I said, my principal offered a year off and I was like, no, I, I, you know, I, I, my, my job is what keeps me sane. And if I put all my eggs into this running basket, what if I break my leg? What if I oh, yeah. pull a muscle and I have nothing. And so that's also the balance. Like at least if I, you know, break my leg, I can come and talk to, you know, my kid, my students, you know, and, and that's kind of what helped me out. And, um, and I, I'm the kind of person, and I know everyone's different, but I'm the kind of person that no matter what time I go to bed the night before that next morning, I'm waking up, I'm waking up. It might be at four 30. It might be at five, excuse me, four 32. 
502. I always have to wake up on the twos. I'm a little crazy. Um, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Um, but I always make it a point to wake up. And some days I might run more than others, but I think it's also keeping that routine. My balance has so much routine in it. Um, and I think it's also about setting a goal for yourself, like whether it's a 5k, a 10k, a half, a full marathon, or whether it's making a goal to wake up four out of the seven days a week, I think setting goals and achieving them really makes you realize like you really can do it all. And I do have a son and I am a single mom. And yes, I have a great partner that I, I live with, but it's also not easy to always rely on him. You know, my kid might wake up while I'm in the middle of my run in the morning. And that means he has to deal with him. And he's so nice about it. I'm not saying anything bad about it, but I do have that guilt. You know, I'm like, oh gosh, he, he wanted to sleep. And now my little four-year-old's waking up at 6.15 in the morning and waking him up. And, but you know, it's all about, you know, being confident, finding your routine and just knowing that you, you can do it. And I, I run when my kid's sleeping or, you know, sometimes I'll throw him in the stroller and, and run with him in the stroller if I, if I can keep them in there for longer. But yeah, I, I do think that having a job, having a family, it, it is possible and you have to make adjustments in your life. And, you know, one of my friends is she's training for a marathon right now and she has a dog. She, she doesn't have a kid and she has a lot going on work-wise. She's my coworker. And she's like, well, how am I going to get my miles? And if I'm traveling, I'm like, well, what time's your flight? And she's like nine. I'm like, well, you can get up at five. She goes, oh, oh. and I was like, it's one time you can do it. And she keeps telling herself, she's like, am I committed or do I want this? You know, and it's like, how do you want to look at it? Do you want to look at something that you're committed to? Or is it something that you're just doing for fun or, you know, look at it. And, and something that I have to tell myself every time that I have a race is, are you doing this? Cause you want to do it? Or like, why are you doing this? Ask yourself why you're doing it. And I do it. I run because I love it. I love the way it makes me feel. It's my, it's my time. Even if my kid's in the stroller with me, um, and I race because I love having a goal. I love waking up and being like, all right, I'm going to run this today because I know that in two weeks is my race and I really want to do well. And I think having a goal is definitely a huge motivator. And again, I don't know if I answered that balance question. Oh God. Yes. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it's like I said, I think it's needs to be known that it's not always about train, 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 train. It's you got to find that period of time that even comes into the relax, the, the rest and relaxation aspect of it too, right? Like you, you gotta, you have to also find those points where you just can let your body recover. Yeah. And can I say something to that too? Yeah. Is, and this is why I tell my, my friend that's training as soon as it, and yes, your intervals, your certain days are going to feel like chores and you're going to feel like you hate running. But if, if that feeling, and this is just my thought and maybe I'm wrong and I really hope I'm not ruining anyone's running. Cause I'm saying this, but I feel like as soon as your running becomes a chore and, and I think any, it's not worth it anymore. Like you should do this because this makes you feel good and this makes you happy. And, you know, and, and honestly, I'm not saying it's easy to motivate at 4:45 every morning and go for a run or go on the treadmill. That is not, but at the end of it, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I feel so good. And I'm so happy I did that. And not everyone feels that way. And I just think, you know, why are you doing this? And, and I feel like if there's a day where you're just like, I am not feeling it, I'm so tired you need to listen to your body too. I think it's all about listening to your body and your mind. And if there's a day you have to skip, that's totally fine. If there's two days you have to skip, that's totally fine. 
don't skip five days, I wouldn't recommend. Um, but I do think if you have to skip one or two days, it's okay. You know, you're not going to lose everything in a day. David Roche might have something else to say about that. Sorry, David, I'm not trying to, and I am, you know, I, I help people out, but I'm, I'm not, I mean, he, he knows his stuff very well. So, um, but yeah, I, I just, I think that's also where the balance comes in too. And if you're supposed to run four miles, but a good friend is in need of help and she's sad or he's sad, go help them. You know, it's okay. So yeah. And also if you only have like 20 or 30 minutes, take advantage. That's what I always say to people too, is like, 30 minutes, the workout you can get in and 30 minutes is huge, you know, go do a quick 15 minute, you know, um, what a tempo run or go do like three, three minute intervals or something, but you can make a 30 minute chunk of time. Mm -hmm. So beneficial to your running. And it should always be fun. If you're not having fun, then you need to rethink the way you're training and approaching everything. Right. Um, what's, what's next, Stevie? What, what's, any races coming up that, that you got on your, on your schedule? Well, it's funny enough, the friend who um, I'm helping her with her rent merit, she's running the Colfax. So okay. I'm going to do the half <laughs> after I ran your race. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm done in an hour and a half. I can get used to this. I got a great <laughs> workout in. It was beautiful outside. I'm going to do this again. So I'm going to, but that's just for fun. And then um, I'm going to run a race a marathon uh, in steamboat at the end of the summer. And I'm hoping to do your June 18th run. I forget the name of it, but that one. Uh, Mountain Mountain Ridge. Ridge. Are you doing the uh, half or are you going to do the the 22 mile? Do you know yet? What do you recommend for real? A lot. I mean, they're both really great. I mean, they're both rolling hills. I mean, you're, you're going to see roughly about the same style of course the entire way. I mean, it just kind of, I mean, our 22 miles is a brand new distance this year. So, okay. Is it like an, like, do you repeat anything from the marathon? It's a, or I mean the half it's a, it's a Y it would be like a, it's sort of like a Y course. So you you go out, uh, do an out and back one way, and then you come up and you meet where the half marathon turns in. You do out and back, uh, with, with part of the half marathon course. So it's like a two way out and back, uh, course, but you're not repeating any, anything over, a couple of times. So hmm. I don't know. We could think Honestly, about it. Honestly, I might be convinced to do the 22. I like that distance. It's I, I, I love random distances. I, yes. I don't know. It, we, yes. Yes. it worked out when I was creating the course. I was like, this comes out to 22 miles. Like, you know what? This is good. This is just, just fine. So we do a 20 mile course. We do a 22 mile. I got a 15 K. So I, I like doing the weird the weird distances at our races when we can. So I agree. I agree. Well, um, see, I know, uh, you've got, you've got another scheduled appointment coming up, so I'm going to let you go, but thank you very, very much for coming in and chatting with me. And, and thank you again for being at the Westminster race and coming out there and, and crushing the wind. <laughs> thank you. I did not crush the wind. I forget the second place. She was amazing. She was awesome. Per coach, David, duh, I need to hire David. Um, <laughs> But thank you. Thank you so much for putting it on. And please don't thank me for racing. I'm, I'm so grateful that you kept it on. Um, and I didn't have bad wind burn the next day. So it was great. All right, that'll do it for another episode of the Trail Life Podcast. Special shout out to Stevie Kramer for joining me today. Uh, what 
a sweetheart, <laughs> uh, amazing person. I had a chance to briefly talk to her at the Westminster race, and I cannot thank her enough for coming in, sharing her story, how she got into trail running, uh, being a Solomon Pro runner uh, internationally, and just talking about the balance of life and running. And I think we all need a little bit of that, uh, whether it's running or just everyday life, being active going to work, trying to relax. Uh, So I appreciate her sharing that as well. So I hope you guys enjoyed. Thank you very much. Thank you again, Stevie, for for coming in, talking to me. Uh, And I look forward to our next conversation. I look forward to seeing you guys out on the trails real soon. All right. Thanks, everybody. The Trail Life Podcast is presented by Solomon. Their passion for outdoor sports, new technologies, and craftsmanship has driven them to create progressive gear to enable you to freely enjoy and challenge yourself in the great outdoors. Today, Solomon is an incredible lineup of road and trail running footwear and hydration gear, perfect for any runner on any terrain, no matter the challenge. Check them out today at your local running stores like Runner's Roost or on Solomon.com. This episode of the Trail Life Podcast is brought to you by Crisp Refreshing Polar Seltzer. Premium seltzer with just water, all natural fruit essences, and zillions of tiny bubbles. Polar seltzer is naturally calorie-free with no sweeteners or sodium. Family made since 1882. That's 140 years of making bubbles. Why be flat when you can sparkle? Looking for a polar near you? Go to polarseltzer.com or visit your local grocery store. (music) 